This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider brought to you by East Lansing Info and 89FM The Impact. My name is Andrew Graham and I'm here today for a bit of a solo episode on uh, the East Lansing Insider. Um, We're going to get into an interview with Maddie Zink, an East Lansing High School math teacher who also happens to be the head coach for the Trojan Aquatics, all the high school teams, swim and dive and water polo. So we talked to her for about 20 minutes, and then after that, I'm going to hit a quick news roundup following a city council discussion-only meeting and a pretty busy week in the city and be out of here. So a little bit of a different episode, something new, but I hope you enjoy. And right now we're going to get into the interview with Maddie. And I am joined now with Maddie Zink, the head coach for basically Trojan Aquatics at the the high school level, correct? Yes. So that's that's girls swim and dive, which is currently in season. Boys swim and dive, and then both the boys and the girls hotel water polo teams. And we'll get to hotel if people don't know what that means. Um, but Maddie, first off, I just want to ask, how you doing? Doing great. It's been busy, but happy to join you here today. Awesome. Maddie's you're a math teacher, correct, in the school district, so it's yes. come back to school, busy times, I'm sure. Yes, I'm teaching algebra at the high school the first year, so super excited about that, but very busy. <laughs> I can imagine. And it's also the season for the girls' swim and dive team right now, so I want to just start off with that, and just if you could give me sort of a quick update on how things have gone so far this season. Yeah, so we're getting into about the second month of the season now. We started back beginning of August, and we've got a very young team this year, um, 12 freshmen right now on a team of 27, so very, oh, wow. very young. Youngest team yeah, I think we've really had young. in a very long time. Um, but it's going amazing. It is probably one of the best teams we've had in a while and the freshmen are some of our biggest contributors to that team to the scoring and placing and events and winning meets right now and so super exciting to know that I'm going to have some of those girls for the next four years and to see what see what they can do in four years is it's going really well I know I spoke with you a couple weeks ago about I was a little nervous with the team of mostly freshmen but it has turned into one of the greatest things that's happened this year so I'm super excited about it and we've got a couple meets under our belt got a couple wins under our belt against our rival Okemos I know that's your alma mater so my alma mater very much so (laughs) sorry about that one but uh second year in a row we've beat them for the first time in over two decades so two years going strong and hopefully we'll keep going and it's looking outlook on the conference right now is looking hopefully top three potentially could be top two, maybe top. I don't wanna I don't wanna jinx anything. But <laughs> knock on, knock on um, wood. Yes, I'm <laughs> over here doing that. So um, I'm excited and we'll see where it goes, but definitely looking a little brighter than it did when I knew I lost a couple couple of good seniors to uh, foreign exchange program. I was a little a little weary about that, but the freshmen have really shown up and all of our returning sophomores and juniors have shown up too and it's been it's been really good. Fantastic. Well, I think the, the, the freshmen are having a young, inexperienced team. Well, 
I it's a it's a question mark. It also yeah. It can it can be a promise too. It can be yeah. that that exciting thing, and I'm I'm glad to hear that it's uh, turned out well. You mm-hmm. mentioned beating Oakmas two times. Who's uh, coming up on the schedule? We're just for the listener. We're recording this on September fifteenth. It'll come out the following weekend. But so yeah. sort of so next couple we, weeks. What's it looking like? Yeah, this week. So tomorrow we've got St. John's, which will be another be a closer one. Um, so we've got St. John's tomorrow. Next week we've got Holt coming up. We've got Grand Ledge and Marshall the following week. So Marshall is not a, a non-conference meet, but um, always exciting to swim some different people. So that's what we've got right now. And then following that, we've still got DeWitt in our books, which will probably be our closest one. That'll be our toughest meet. Um, but that's towards the end of October. So we got St. John's on the clock right now for tomorrow and then uh, holds up next week. So. Gotcha. And who's, I guess, any names or any anybody who comes to mind who's really stood out so far for you this year? I know it's 28, I think 28 yeah. people on the team, so that's probably a lot. But I guess is there anybody maybe who's who's really comes to the forefront or somebody who you weren't expecting to, to pop? Um, we've got... We've got a returners that was kind of expected. They're about all about where we left off last year, getting better this year. I think specifically some of the freshmen that we've seen that might not have expected um, to be huge contributors that have ended up being some of our top scorers. We've got Sophia Fickeyes is a freshman. Um, she swam with us in middle school, swam with us in elementary school, plays water polo. So she's kind of been around the program for a really long time. She really popped off this year um, for listeners who don't, who might not know swimming, but um, the 50 freestyle 30 is like kind of the breaking point. You're once you get past 30, it's like, you're really 30 seconds. 30 seconds for a 50 freestyle. Um, it's kind of like the cutoff where you break 30 seconds and you're, you're scoring in meets, you're, placing in CACs um that's kind of where you become like you're on the A relays and middle school she was around 31 32 the whole time and first meet she broke 30 and won a 29 and in the same in the same meet she broke 29 so which is which rarely ever happens first meet of as a freshman and so that was kind of setting the pace early and we knew she was going to be a huge contributor that first meet we had and so She's really done a lot of our sprinting events for us, and she's really shown up there. Um, another big one who, on the opposite side of the spectrum, is one of our distance swimmers, um, Peyton Rowland, who there's not many distance events in middle school. So the longest event you can swim in middle school is a 200 freestyle, which is four laps of the pool. Um, so she swam that in middle school, but in high school we have the 500, which is 10 laps, so it's over double the length. Um, right. And so... In practice, we knew that she was going to be a distance swimmer. We kind of knew that going in, but we didn't really know what to expect. And first meet, she swam a 500 last week and went a 629, which some of our seniors can't even do. So it's kind of that really set the pace for her. And um, she's definitely going to be one of our better distance swimmers um, this year and then throughout. So she definitely has shown up and she's going to be a huge contributor as well. Um, she already has been, but in the next couple of meets, she's going to be really important for us. So, um, 
those are the two that stand out immediately to me. We do have, we have a ton of girls who are right around that 30 second mark, which is amazing for freshmen. And so we do have a lot of other contributors, but those two have definitely shown up and have been scoring the most points for us thus far. Gotcha. I'm just, I'm tired just imagining swimming <laughs> 50 oh. meters in 30 seconds. I don't yes. oh. And so you're obviously in charge of all of the high school aquatics teams, which yeah. I, I'm unfamiliar with the the full coaching history of East Lansing Trojan Aquatics. Yeah. But what is I guess what what sort of ability does that give you as a coach and obviously you're, you're newer to this role not yeah. new to the district what what I guess sort of what position does that put you in or what sort of ability does that give you to sort of the the coordination between it all and kind of building up a, a program and it not just being this team and this team but it's all about the aquatics and all that comes with that yeah it's definitely um different it's I it amazes me to hear about other coaches that don't do both because in my mind, I'm like, why wouldn't I do both? So um, it's very different. And it's also a really unique thing and gives me a lot of opportunities to have the girls come join the boys and um, a lot more cohesion between the two teams. If I have some girls that um, are needing to work on some things and I have boys who are really good at those, I can have them come in and help out and, um, I really utilize both teams to help each other. And especially during the off seasons, during the summers, they all compete together and they all swim together. Um, and having the girls to push the boys and even some of the boys to push the girls is definitely helpful. And I know there's other coaches where they have a boys coach and they have a girls coach and they might not have that cohesion between the two teams is definitely one of the biggest aspects, but then bringing in water polo too. Um, there are not many coaches in the state that are coaching both swimming and water polo and East Lansing history, we have had the same coach, um, Ron Marsh, who was the, my coach in high school, the previous East Lansing High School head coach, um, did both. And I saw that cohesion. And so I knew that having swimming and water polo and having the same coach, what that did for me. And I would never have it any other way if I could. I'm hoping to continue to do both as long as I can, because then again, it brings in that aspect of they know me as the coach and they know what my expectations are. And I really value the two sport athlete and being able to do both rather than just swimming year round or just playing water polo year round. It definitely, um, for students, physical and mental sake, it helps to take a break from swimming sometimes and having water polo in the off seasons while they're still staying in shape and they're still interacting with their teammates and, having that physical exercise, but taking that break from swimming that is sometimes more of a mental task than a physical task um, definitely gives the students more and the athletes that break that's needed. And having a coach that is okay with them doing both and wants them to do both, I think is something a lot of programs don't necessarily have. It's been, there is a big divide in the aquatics world between swimming and water polo and there's the coaches that want athletes to be swimming year round and there's the coaches that want athletes to be playing water polo year round um, and some of our most successful athletes that have come out of this program are athletes that do both right well and i'd have to imagine uh, just from a outsider's perspective and how the, the the nature of the competition is swimming is 
you're competing against others, but it's also inherently competing against yourself and water polo is a bit more of that. You're you're working with a teammate actively, you're you're sort of scoring points against another team. It's that yeah. more traditional team sport versus well swim and dive is a team sport it's more individualistic so i can definitely get why that mentally is actually a really good balance to have because just swimming constantly i think like golf or something i'm golf i I don't golfers are crazy to (laughs) play a game where you're always messing up and trying to fix it but yeah i think that makes a lot of sense to me and i'm i'm it's cool to see that that's a, a thing that's the culture just inherently in East Lansing. Yeah, for sure. Getting onto water polo specifically, this mm-hmm. is a bit of a, it's a, I don't want to say weird, but it's a unique sort of program because it's combined. It's a between, it's Holt, East Lansing, and Hazlitt, correct? I might be leaving some. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's out there. It, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know it now. <laughs> no, it's okay. It fluctuates year to year based on kind of where our numbers stand. Um, it originated as a Holt and East Lansing co-op, which is where the name came from. So it was Holt athletes and East Lansing athletes on the same team. It has kind of merged into Holt, East Lansing, DeWitt, Lansing Christian, once in a while, we'll have a Hazlitt kid who wants to join. Um, and this year, our girls were combined with Okemos because Okemos did not have um, enough athletes for their own team either. Gotcha. So it's always a two-year agreement. So the schools agree to have that two years together. Um, and the goal is always to split off. Unfortunately, it, the sport has not grown, grown enough in this area to be able to do that for all of these combined schools, um, sometimes where they only have one athlete, and we are just hoping to give that athlete the chance to continue playing for their four years. And if we get more athletes from that school, then that's great. But right now, we're just trying to get everyone in the area to be able to be on a team is our biggest goal. So, Just provide that opportunity, period, basically. Yeah. Well, and that's I have to imagine that's even even that opportunity is still pretty rare among just Michigan high schools I think I know my brother played high school water polo briefly and I know it's sort of Grand Rapids Ann Arbor dominated is tends to be the the way it goes yeah we've got 27 um it ranges from 25 to 30 teams each year um for both girls and boys so not very many when you think about other sports having hundreds of teams in Michigan so it's definitely right. on the up and coming. We're trying to get more teams and get more schools involved. And there's so many swim programs in this state and just not enough water polo resources right now to facilitate that many swim, that many water polo teams. So in this area, we're definitely struggling right now, but we're trying to uh, keep those teams intact and keep growing the sport here in mid-Michigan. Well, I mean, just get some of your 28 swimmers to join the water polo team and you're you're most of the way there. I try so hard. But yeah, we do have a lot of other girls who play spring sports, which is always a big competitor for especially the girls or softball, soccer. So yeah, it's kind of, yeah. yeah, inevitable to lose a couple to other sports, but we try and keep them. Everyone who's not already committed to another sport where is, is always trying out water polo for at least a week. I make them try it for a couple of days <laughs> and see how it goes. It's a very violent sport for people who don't know. It's, it's, it's I find it to be quite entertaining in that regard. You just yes. you got to know about it. Um, yeah. And on a bigger picture and mm-hmm. sort of in the future, I, I don't want to, you know, impose the, the expectations of the future on you, but what's i guess what's 
what's your idea for how this program could look in I don't know, three, four, five years or something? Um, what's that look like to you, or what would what would you I guess want it to be? Yeah, I think, um, and obviously the ongoing pandemic has had a huge damper on aquatics as we cannot be masked is our biggest thing right now. Um, and going into the pandemic, we had a lot of ideas in place and we're kind of trying to rebuild on those. Ideally, we're building our program up. I know six years ago when I was in high school, we had a team of 15 girls one year. So even 28 girls right now is amazing for me to experience that. Big, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So we're definitely on the up and coming and still we're growing the sport, but I mean, five years down the line, I would love to see a full middle school team for water polo, a full East Lansing high school team for water polo, maybe with those couple of schools still attached to us, but us have enough athletes to um, like facilitate on our own if needed. And we're always going to provide those opportunities to the whole in Okemos and DeWitt and Hazlitt athletes who would like to join us. But ideally, we are able to grow that program to the point where we don't necessarily need those schools to survive on our own is, right. I think, the biggest goal right now. Um, having a middle school team to then feed into our high school team. Right now, we don't have much of a feeder program for our water polo team. Um, we have a pretty decent high school club program um, in our off season, which is Mid-Michigan Raptor. That's all of our Mid-Michigan teams, including Mason, Grand Ledge, um, and the Okemos boys combined. So we have a pretty decent high school team in place, um, but we don't really have a middle school feeder program, so our numbers are not really growing at the moment. Um, right. It is middle school polo season right now, so if any listeners have children that are interested, go ahead and join. <laughs> we would love to have them, but we currently only have about 10 kids. So they're where would, uh, I guess, where would they find the info to, to do that? So midmichiganraptor.com, or it's, I think it's midmichiganraptor.swimtopia.com. Um, but if you just search that, we're on Facebook too. All the information's on Facebook through both MidMichigan Raptor Water Polo and Trojan Aquatics. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so we have middle school polo going right now, and we're hoping for a couple more kids than we have. We've only got about 10 athletes right now, which is enough to play a couple games. But unfortunately, with girls and boys trying to be, we're trying to split girls and boys, and um, we have only two girls right now, so they're going to end up playing on the co-ed team with the boys. And so we're trying to grow that program a little bit more, hopefully get a elementary program back up and running we did have a splash ball program which is the elementary version of water polo um going the past couple years but with covid it was kind of shut down for the past two years so we're hoping to get that up and running again in the winter so definitely just keeping those programs going having more of an expectation we always we're trying not to compare ourselves to other sports, but looking at soccer, who has their East Lansing soccer camp every single summer, and they always have a great turnout because it's kind of just a routine. You know soccer's camp is happening in the summer, so parents know it's coming. They know to sign up, and so we're just trying to get ourselves back to a place where we're comfortable with where we are. We can have those existing teams every year, and people just kind of know water polo is happening this season and are ready to sign up and ready to try it out and get a little bit more publicity out there for ourselves. Just trying to be that institution, basically. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And I guess the the last thing I'll sort of hit on before you go is how's how's the school year been going so far? 
you're a teacher. That, that, that's been happening too. I think that's just something people might be a yeah. little bit curious about. How's the, how's the, the adjustment back to, I suppose, it's, sort of back to new to teaching. So. Yeah, it is interesting. So, I mean, I, I went to Michigan State. Um, my four years in Michigan State, we always had our, uh, like, in-person, like, placement. So I've always been in schools a little bit, um, teaching here and there in person. And then, obviously, last year, with everything being online, um, I student taught at Waverly High School, so I never – have the opportunity to teach a full class and have a full classroom of my own students and be the only teacher in the classroom. And so it's definitely a huge change um, for me as a teacher and a lot of the students too. I am teaching all freshmen this year. So most of these freshmen have not been in school since sixth grade. And the difference between sixth grade and freshman year is very big. Um, and so it's a lot of learning how to be students again and we're experiencing honestly a lot more of like learning to be students again and being in an environment with 35 other kids in a classroom than more math at this point but that's kind of where we're at and it's going well and kids are loving it and being back and being able to interact with each other I love being back and being able to interact with everybody and see kids faces even if they're not talking to me all the time but it's, it's better than the it's better than the little little black better box that they're initial muted, on muted. It. Yeah. yeah so and I can I can talk to students individually which was unfortunately one of the features that we didn't have online I couldn't just kind of talk to one person without talking to everybody and so it's nice to be able to kind of just go over to a student's desk and be like hey are you doing okay today and just check in and have those little side conversations that think a lot of us took for granted before and we took for granted the kids having those little side conversations in the hallway and um, I think it really had a big mental toll on the students the past two years and it's just it's nice to see them interact again and see them um, interacting with each other and then also being able to interact with them it's definitely definitely been a huge change but I forget how tiring it is to have 35 students in front of me talking all the time but because they weren't talking before and I when they weren't talking I wanted them to talk and now sometimes I'm like please be quiet a little bit go, go back to not talking <laughs> I'm like can I mute you for a second please but <laughs> it's going well and I'm excited and I love the freshmen this year we've got a huge freshman class over at East Lansing and so I've got a lot of big classes but it keeps me on my toes keeps me entertained and then I also have all my freshman swimmers so I see them multiple times a day so which is super exciting and sometimes I love it and sometimes it's I'm sorry I'm seeing you for the fifth time today but <laughs> it's going great I get it awesome well Maddie I really appreciate you for taking some time yeah. during literally the school day I think this is, <laughs> yes. this is her planning hour this for is, the yes. listeners so I really appreciate it and yes, for dishing on water polo and swimming and yeah all that good stuff. So I'll let you get back with your day, but thank you very much for yes, joining. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. I really appreciate it. And I just want to say thanks again to Maddie for joining us during the, her school day and taking some time to give that interview. It's always, always nice to talk to teachers and coaches and get a little insight into that. So now I'm going to get into a quick news roundup. Got about six minutes here to dive in and talk about what happened in the city of East Lansing. It's Wednesday right now, so I'm going to talk about the city council meeting that uh, we were at last night at Eli on Tuesday, a discussion-only meeting. Despite being a discussion-only meeting where city council did not take any official uh, votes or action besides reorganizing for the opioid lawsuit and a payout, they mostly just discussed issues and um, talked through a lot of different things. It was an interesting meeting. They've been back in person and public comment was 
quite lively. I'll say there were a bevy of issues discovered. And first and foremost was people coming in and talking about something that wasn't on the agenda. And that was flooding, which has been a widespread issue in the city as of late following both August 11th, 12th and those rains and that significant flooding. And we had further flooding on September 13th, the Monday of this week when I'm recording this. And there was more flooding around the city. And at this point, residents are pretty much fed up as far as we know and came to city council and just said you we need some some level of collaboration here we need to know what the problem really is what the the extent of it is and what the solution can be and what what needs to happen and i think it's it's indicative of people really just want to know want information want to be able to to know what they can do to prevent it happening again and that this is becoming a a more frequent issue for some people and that's something we've also heard so that was a a point at public comment that wasn't on the agenda but did come up and something that city council members have have become aware of and the construction on north lawn specifically came up and we'll be looking further into that eli will be doing more reporting on the flooding in general and on the agenda the item at public comment that really stirred up a a lot of discussion was the rental license transfer program in chesterfield hills and namely that it has been shelved effectively in a way because the city attorney has made staff aware of some some potential legal issues about these rental license transfers and some options and the point of contention was that the rental license the the memo saying that they shouldn't do this rental license transfer program was confidential so the 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 reasoning that the city attorney gave to the city council and city staff that informed them as to why it's not legally smart to do this was kept confidential and the answer from the city is that it's privileged under attorney client privilege i.e the the city attorney is the attorney obviously and the city is the client and therefore it's privileged under attorney client privilege now the city as the client could also waive that privilege it stands to reason and there's also a point in the city charter about the legal opinions being public i'll be doing a further report on that but in the meantime at this meeting on september 14th tuesday september 14th a couple local developers showed up and aired their frustration mark terry was one of them and he's someone who in his own words has more experience on this than anybody else really and that is to some extent true he has been working on this in chesterfield hills for almost two decades or aroundabouts that and really knows his stuff um about this area in particular in this issue and his his frustration was mostly just that he he wasn't able to know why this decision was made or why like what advice was given and he he basically challenged the city council during public comment to say hey let me see the legal opinion what's going on here this is not a good way of doing business um pretty fiery he was pretty clearly upset um and i will say to his credit he did get city council to move and they voted to have Foster Swift, the city attorney, create a version of that opinion to be released for the next discussion-only meeting or next city council meeting. I haven't double-checked that, but in the first meeting of October. So we'll at least be getting that. But it also speaks to a further issue and what I talked about of the legal opinions not being made public. And I will be bringing a future report on that. We'll also have from Eli another report out of this meeting about Scott Rigglesworth, the Ingham County Sheriff's coming, the Ingham County Sheriff, not sheriffs, he is one man, coming to the meeting and trying to get city council to sign on to his rebuke effectively of Ingham County Prosecutor Carol Seaman's policy regarding the state of Michigan felony firearm law, which basically holds if you commit a felony and there's a firearm in your possession, I think you're supposed to get a, a two-year 
automatic mandatory minimum prison sentence on top of whatever you're being charged with. And Seaman's office basically said they're not going to charge that unless in extreme circumstances. Scott Rigglesworth, as the sheriff, has opposed this and has gotten several municipalities, either their mayors or village leaders and whatever their titles are, to sign on. City of East Lansing was not as interested, and Heather Brothers will be bringing a report as to why the city council was not so receptive to this idea and why they didn't end up deciding to sign on to it. And Rigglesworth did ultimately leave the meeting empty-handed. It was still a constructive conversation. And as as several members of council pointed out, it was a conversation that will probably lead to some future ones and a conversation that's worth continuing about the real issue that is gun violence. It's, I don't think anyone pretended it wasn't, but that's more to look forward to. Check it out on eastlansinginfo.news when you get the chance. And one last time, this is the East Lansing Insider brought to you by 89FM The Impact. And thank you for listening. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.